0: Man, this is so crazy to be here and to see what's happened. Um, Man, thanks for those words, Chuck. It's weird, though. I was sitting there, and I was thinking about the tough time because I'd forgotten about that. And, um, you know, you just get older, and you just think, I would deal with that so much better now. You know, 15 years later, it's like, oh, man. And I, I just think, you know, my head wasn't completely in the game well enough. You know, as you guys know, the older you get, the more you just realize, man, I just, I didn't know how to deal with things that well. And you mature, you grow, and so, man, I apologize if there was ever anything I said or did. Seriously, I mean, I just, I don't know, I just look back, I go, some of the things I did back then were just stupid. And um, I, I, I remember, like, Chuck, I, I... okay, so I heard him speak at this camp. That's all I knew of him was I heard him speak, and I was like, this guy's gifted, so I want to hire him. I didn't know anything about him, but that's what we did back in the day. We didn't think about, you know, all this other stuff. We just saw someone's gift. It was just like the world, you know. That's just how we did things in the church, And, and I remember talking to him, and he goes, well, you hardly know me, and I go, well, He's like, you're going to take a chance on me? And you gonna what I said? I'm like, it's not a real risk. I go, I'm not going to pay you much. And there's no college ministry for you to screw up. And if you stink, I'll fire you. So there's not like a lot of risk. That was the talk. And, um, but I, I remember one of, the, one of the first memories, I was thinking, okay, what, what's the earliest memory? I remember someone came down and, and we were playing golf. And it was me and you paired up against this other, you know, guy and this, you know, and I just don't like to lose. And it came down to this putt and Chuck was putting. And I said, dude, if you make this, I will give you a raise. (laughs) And his friend starts laughing and Chuck looks at his friend and goes, no, he's serious. (laughs) and I was. I mean, I just don't like to lose, but I'm thinking back to just all of the, you, you know, just just life. If That was like 20 years ago. I mean, think about 20 years ago. How did you imagine life to be? What did you imagine it was going to be 20 years from then? You know, and so much has happened, and In his life and Barbara's life since those days, and in my life, I'm just going, what happened these last 20 years? And I remember uh, when Chuck left Cornerstone. It was actually a really exciting time, and I think it's pertinent to this because it was at a time when I was telling, we had about 60 something staff, I think almost 70 staff. It was ridiculous. And I just told them at a staff meeting, I go, I want you all to leave. I would love it if every one of you left. Because it's so safe. If you guys show up or not show up, it's going to be fine. I said, God has this, God is, God's going to take care of things here. And, and I like living by faith. And I said, there was something about starting a church And just looking at my wife and going, honey, what do you think? Let's just try. And everything, you're just like, God, you have to come through. Like that dependence on him. I was looking at the staff and going, seriously, I want you all to feel that. You don't feel that as long as you attend here. Because my faith will carry this. But man, when you're out and you just leave and you go and you just try something, there's something that you get from God that you won't get any other way. And if you don't go, you, you're, you might get weird. That just, it happens in the church. We think, oh, you, you know, it's just like high school reunion. You see those people who go, man, you've changed. And it's weird when you see someone change. But it's weirder when they don't change. <laughs> Right? And it's like, whoa, you're still doing the same thing as high school. Are you kidding me? And sometimes in the church, we don't recognize the weirdness of staying the same. And I was praying about that. I go, God, what do I speak to these guys about? I want to celebrate the 10 years. Be amazed at what God's done that that we, we didn't imagine back then. But then at the same time, what do I speak on? And I felt like that's what the Lord put on my mind is... If you don't keep multiplying, see, at the 10-year mark, things can get very, very weird now because you can develop habits that you don't know are weird. And you just keep doing the same thing. And, and I love this idea of, of growing through getting smaller because when you leave and you start, man, all the guys that planted churches out of Cornerstone out that day, they all came back and thanked me And said, there's no way I would have learned this under you. I go, "Exactly. There's no way. You're only going to go so far until you take a step of faith. And it's you and God. And you're going, God, I can't pull this off without you. You get stuck. And yet we naturally gravitate to that comfort. And um, (laughs) I have this cousin. And um, I remember when I was a kid my parents died real young, so I, I just didn't have a whole lot of help. But I remember my uh, cousin, he was like seven or eight, and, you know, we're sitting down Thanksgiving or something, and, and he grabs his plate. You know, we get our plate, and he goes to his mom, and he goes, Mom, you know, he just used like a little baby voice when he talked to his mom, and he was like, Can you cut my meat-meat? And, and I saw his mom <laughs> cutting. Okay, I cut your meat-meat, you know, and she's cutting his meat-meat. <laughs> And I was thinking, that's cool. I've always cut my own meat since I was like five, you know, but that's cool. You know, that's kind of nice. you got a mom that cuts your meat for you. That's really cool. What was weird was when he was 16. (laughs) No, I'm not kidding. 16. Still, that same baby voice, I swear. And going, mommy, cut my meat, meat. And she'd go, okay, I cut your meat, meat. And I'm just, I don't know who to get mad at. Like, is it her? Like, knock it off. Hand him the knife. Don't do that for him. You know, or to look at him and say, dude, even if my mom was to cut my meat, I wouldn't let her. Like, come on. This is weird now. And that's what the writer of Hebrews talks about in Hebrews chapter 5 when he says, hey, by this time... You should be teachers, but you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. Everyone who lives on milk is an unskilled in the word of righteousness since he's a child. Solid food is for the mature. And, and, and he's writing to this church and going, do you realize how weird this is? Do you know how strange it is that you still need someone to cut up the meat for you on a Sunday morning and go, here, let me give you a little meat, meat, you know? And it's weird that some of you have been believers for like five years and you still don't read the word of God for yourself. You don't get alone with Him and go, Oh, this is the greatest. You and me, I love being alone with you. I love opening your word. I get so much. I I hear people who've been in churches for years going, I don't really get anything when I read the Bible. I just like it when Chuck teaches. And it's like, Are you serious? You're serious? You're still the same? You still need this? It, that's what, that's what he's saying here. He's like, you should have been a teacher by now. I'm not even cutting meat. I'm giving you the bottle still. I remember one of the dumbest illustrations I ever gave. I mean, not dumbest. I thought it was actually pretty good, but it got me in the most trouble. Um, was I came up one Sunday morning... And I had these two, like, balloons in my shirt. I was preaching this passage. I go, this is what I feel like every Sunday. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Just, and I go, doesn't this look ridiculous? This looks weird. Why aren't you guys reading the word for yourself? And it's just like, okay, don't, don't do that. But uh, my point was, that's not normal. Okay? It's not normal. Well, something I've been noticing in Scripture is the churches in this book, almost every single church that's mentioned in the New Testament, at some point drifted away into weirdness, like really strange, evil things, but they don't notice it. And so I've been praying to God lately, going, God, these people, like they drifted and they were happy and they just did this thing over here and over here and over here, but they didn't know it. And so God, what have I drifted into? I mean, how am I supposed to assume, oh yeah, those idiots, those idiots, those idiots, those idiots. That's written for a reason that we would look at our own lives and go, what's weird about this? Like, is this the way it was supposed to be? We just assume because, well, it's better than what they're doing down the street or better than this or this or this. But no, really, I I was sitting down the other day realizing even when I started Cornerstone Church 25 years ago, I never stopped to think, what would please you the most? To look at God as a real person and go, based on everything I read in this book, what would please you the most? Not what would please you or or what would you be okay with, but really to make a decision based on what would please you the most, what kind of church. Because I thought to myself, you know the kind of church I'd like to go to? I'd want to be one that just teaches the word of God and is reverent toward Him, where I can kind of slip in, commune with God, and go home. So let me create that type of church. Because that's what I want. Back then, we were taught, some people would even knock on doors and say, hey, what kind of church would you like to go to? That's what we were told to do. And we didn't stop and go, wait a second, does it matter what He wants? I mean, when you think about it, most of our decisions, that's why people shop for churches. What would I like? But have you ever stopped to think, God, if you had it your way, based on everything I read in this book, what would the church look like? Would it be something I attend for an hour every week? Is that what I get out of this book? And to really think through, God, what, what is it that you want? See, these are things I didn't think about. Most of us, when we make our decisions, like when you decide where to live, what do you do? You go, where would I like to live? And for those of us who are Christians, we kind of go, okay, would God be okay with that? I think he'd be okay with that. You see, that's a far cry from going, God, if I could please you most, where would I live? Is that how you make your decisions in life? When you're buying a car, do you go, oh, I want that car. I think God would be okay with that. Or do you go, God, if I wanted to please you most, what car would please you the most? Just decisions we make, what job should I take? What would please you the most? See, so often we make our decisions based upon what will God tolerate rather than what would please him the most. And I realized, man, I did that even with starting a church. I didn't look in the scriptures and go, God, what is it that you wanted the most? When I look in the scripture, Paul talks to the Galatian church. And remember the words he uses for them? He's like, who bewitched you? He's like, what happened to you guys? And he even says, I feel like I wasted my time with you then when he writes to the Corinthian church he's just it's just like sarcasm after sarcasm chapter 1 he's like wait a second i heard that there's divisions among you he goes and i'm starting to believe it's actually true and he asks questions like what the heck he didn't say what the heck but he goes he goes wait so One of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, I follow Christ. He goes, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? He goes, What are you guys doing? You guys are talking about speakers? And who's a better speaker? Who's a better leader? He goes, You've got to be kidding me. You guys have gotten so weird. And he goes on, he goes, You you guys are boasting about who's smarter than the other person? He goes, where's the wise man? Man, it's those, those wise that you're boasting about. He goes, they don't even understand the kingdom of heaven. He goes on, oh, he, goes, he goes, there's lawsuits among you. And he asks a question. He goes, I love this. In fact, I was doing a wedding not too long ago, and I ended up doing it all based upon these four or five words. He says, Why not rather be wronged? five words i said to this couple you know what this is the passage the lord gave me this morning i don't know why first corinthians why not rather be wronged instead you're suing each other and he he just goes that's so ridiculous paul says he goes don't you understand the church is going to judge angels and now you're going to unbelievers to figure out your mess because you're fighting about who's right? And he goes, if you really believe in heaven, why not rather be wronged? That's an important question. He was, this is at the core, the crux of Christianity, was Jesus said, look, rejoice when they, when they reject you. Rejoice when they persecute you falsely. And that's why Paul's saying, wait, wouldn't you rather be wronged? But you guys are all fighting for your rights. And then guys were getting drunk at communion a guy was sleeping with his own stepmother he's going and you're proud he's like why didn't you kick the guy out of the church what what are you doing here and then he got to the point he goes you guys don't even believe in the resurrection anymore so when you read scripture like you see this pattern of this flow In fact, when you get to the book of Revelation, then it gets really wild because he addresses seven churches and five of them, his message is, you better repent or else. He says to the church in in Ephesus, hey, you better repent or else I'm going to remove your, I'm just going to remove the church. I don't want you like that. He says to the church in Ephesus, Pergamum he goes you better repent or I'm going to wage war with you with the tongue of my mouth and he says to the church in Thyatira he goes you better repent or I'm going to throw you in a tribulation he says to the church in Laodicea you better repent or I'm going to spit you out of my mouth and he says to the church in Sardis you better repent or I'm going to come like a thief in the night So it's all these repent or else or else or else. Why? Because they all drifted. And then the rest of the book of Revelation is about, look, I'm not kidding. And so it's caused me to look at my life and go, God, are there weird things? There are so many weird things. And I think a lot of us know this. With church in America, it's very strange. It's perfectly normal for you to leave today, look at your wife or your friend or whoever, and say, What do you think of service? And it's perfectly normal for someone to say, I didn't like the worship. Okay, do you know how weird that is? That we have conversations like this? Do you think. In the whole Bible, you'd think there was ever a time in the Old Testament when someone walked away and goes, I didn't really like the sacrifices today. (laughs) See the way that, you know, he killed that bull? I I didn't like it. Like, it was never for them. They knew it. They understood. This is not a consumer thing where we shop for churches. You know, I like this. I don't like this. Do you understand how weird it is when we do that? When we go, I didn't like the worship today. Did it ever occur to you that it really wasn't for you? Revelation 4 and 5, talk about those four living creatures that are around the throne of God. And it says night and day. They never, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. Day and night. You think a day passes where one of the angels looks at the other one and goes, I didn't really like it today. I didn't really like it. Do you understand our weirdness? How much we've made it about us. It's like, well, I don't want to go to the new church plant because I I like it better here. I like the way he cuts my meat. More than they do. That's really weird. It really is. We just get used to it. And that's why I was looking at these churches going, they got used to things in Ephesus and Pergamum and Thyatira and Smyrna. They got used to different things. They didn't see their own weirdness. And I'm just saying, it's the 10-year mark. And you can get very, very strange now. And you can make this about you. And now you'll have four churches to choose from along with the other hundred in the city. And it does something strange to you unless you decide, like, I'm going to step out in faith. When I left Cornerstone about seven or eight years ago, I went to China. This is one of the first times I saw how weird we were. I went to China. I went to an underground church. In fact, I I was only allowed to take one family member. And so it was me and my oldest daughter. And these young people were just praying like I've never heard anyone pray. It's like they really believed they were speaking to someone. They were standing up giving testimony like, I will die for you, God. Please send me somewhere dangerous. I don't want to be anywhere safe. Please send me somewhere dangerous. I want to give my life for you. They start telling stories about the persecutions that they've been through, and I'm listening to it all. And then I start, I'm so blown away by it all. They're like, why are you so interested in this? And I told them, because church isn't like this in America. They're like, well, what's it like? I tell them, well, we have buildings that we call churches. And we go to these buildings for like an hour, hour and a half. And, and if a guy down the street's a better teacher, we'll go there. Or if the music's better, we'll go there. Or if we're going to fight with someone in the church, we'll go to a different one. Or if their stance or morality, if I want to get a divorce, they're going to confront me, I'll go to the church down the street. You know, we, just, we just, this is what we call church. And they started laughing, hysterically. That was the one thing, when my daughter and I left, my daughter looks at me and goes, dad, that was so weird. Did you see how they were laughing? They thought you were trying to be funny. I go, I know. Like they look at what we do and go, how did you ever get there? That is so weird. How did you read the Bible and end up where you're at? And I thought, oh, my gosh. 1.5 billion people can see our weirdness. But we think it's totally normal. And then, oh, then I was in Dallas, which is weird in itself. But uh, (laughs) I was in Dallas, and I was going to speak at this event. Normal thing, I speak at conference every week no big deal but my friend who's a pastor in india drove me to this conference and dropped me off and we got there he saw the lights the animals like it was like a big easter thing and it's just just, and he just starts laughing and he goes you americans are so funny and i go why he goes no one will show up unless there's a good band or a good speaker I was like, yeah. (laughs) He goes, in India, if people hear that there's going to be a prayer meeting, they'll flock to it. If people hear that they're going to take communion, they get excited. But you Americans, you only get excited if it's the right band and the right speaker, then thousands of people will come. But if they said tonight was a prayer meeting, no one would show up, right? I'm going, well, not no one, but yeah, maybe five. And he just said, that's so weird. And and I thought, I go, okay, imagine God. Imagine being God. It just hit me at that moment. I'm picturing him looking at the world. And here's India and one point, however many billion people there and the believers there. Oh, there's a prayer meeting. We're going to come into the presence of God. Are you kidding me? Let's go. We get to be in the presence of God with other believers. We're going to break bread and remember his son and his sacrifice. And then in America... Oh, Hillsong United is coming, and and Tim Keller's going to be there. Okay, 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 let's go. Because we know, it's just just the truth. If we said they were going to be here in this arena tonight, it'd be packed out. But if you said, we're going to take communion tonight, and remember the body and blood of Jesus, do you see the weirdness in that? from God's perspective, and to go, what would please him most? Man, I wanted to just celebrate the 10-year thing, but at the same time, I want to warn, let's be careful that we keep living by faith and keep the main thing, the main thing. It's wonderful that you're multiplying I hope you multiply more. I hope that you step out in faith yourself. Some of you thought you were just going to come and attend today, just like you will for the rest of your life. And maybe God's saying, you know, it's time to step up. I love hearing Chris and Sharon and hear their story and go, wow, that's really cool. You just open up your house and look what came out of it. But the thing is, is I know Chris and Sharon. They're normal people. I mean, I don't want to say average, but just, yeah, they're just people. You know, there's nothing. It's just, but we want to be faithful with what we have. Man, you've got to take a step of faith. I think a lot of us say we, uh, we hate the consumer mindset of church in America. But my question is, what are you doing to change that? Do you refuse to be a consumer and say, no, instead I'm going to devote myself to those things that early church did. See, what keeps us from multiplying is our consumer mindset. If we were actually devoted, like that early church was, Acts 2.42, devoted to the Lord's, to the apostles' teaching, if we're devoted to prayer, if we're devoted to the fellowship, if we're devoted to communion, then why wouldn't we branch out and multiply? It's like, well, I want, more, I want communion done a certain way, and I like the way they do it there. Really? You've been a believer how long, and you've never led communion out of your house? Well, I like the way he teaches the word. Really? You're a believer this long, and you can't read the word for yourself? Prayer meeting, you, you need a band there? I mean, isn't there anything in you that's just like, man, I would just want like five people in a living room seeking God himself? And just thinking, man, what, what if we can make the ground shake like they did in Acts? What if we could just see fire fall? Like, that's a lot more exciting than a band. Okay, just a few weeks ago, I took my family on vacation. And um, I have seven children. And uh, we went to the snow. And I said, we're going for four days in a cabin. And here's the rule. Nothing electronic. No iPads, no phone. Some of of you are looking at me like, he's crazy. How do you live without an iPad or a phone? I just said, nothing. There's nothing electronic. And we ended up, I mean, the whole ride there, you're not watching movies. Um, We had to talk to each other, entertain each other. And I knew what would happen. We end up having the greatest time. We didn't miss the electronics at all. We're out hiking in the snow, snowball fights, you know, sledding, snowboarding. You know, it was just, you know, just a fire. And we're just laughing at night at each other and just telling stories. And we came back and it was like, God, I don't want to go back to this world. Some of you remember it used to be that way. And you're listening to me going, man, the relationships, it was so much better. And I'm saying with the church, we always think if we add something else, it'll make it better, make it better, make it better. Isn't that what we've done in life? And now we're just stressed out trying to keep up with everyone. I don't know, you know, how many emails are backed up in here. I don't know how many text messages. This is not living. And many of us go, man, I remember when I could just look at someone and talk to them. And they'd look me in the eyes and we'd have conversation. I remember when the kids. I remember, okay, when color TVs came out. And I remember this one rich family where the kid had a TV in his room. And I used to think, that's so ridiculous. Watching TV as a family is already bad enough. And now you watch it separately. I had no idea the day was coming when everyone's going to do this. And for some of you, you hear that, you go, man, wouldn't it be refreshing just to be around people again? And I'm just saying, in the church, I think you'd be surprised if you were just in a room with 10 people and a Bible and a piece of bread and a cup, how amazing of an experience that could be. Sometimes we've got to get rid of the clutter to really find the better thing. This is why we're multiplying. Sure, we could get the whole staff together and bring more people in and add more and more elements. I'm telling you that early church, what did they have? They learned to appreciate the presence of God in prayer, which was better, way better than any program we can put together. I just wanna close with this one thought, you know, it's the same thing I was saying to Chuck and the crew 10 years ago. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. But even today as we go, my goal today was not Oh, I hope they like me. My goal today was not, oh, I hope I feel good about the talk afterwards. My goal was, okay, God, you were in this room, you heard everything I said. What, did that please you? What, what pleases you most? And Hebrews says, well, let me just tell you this without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And I want you to look at your life if you're really about pleasing Him. And going, what are you doing that requires faith? Because if you don't step into that, you're going to get weird. You're going to get weird. And many of you already are. And you know it. You know it. You know it's weird that you've been in the church this long and someone is still cutting your meat. And I'm just saying, pray about it. The change. Because I was even thinking this morning, I'm 50 years old now, I'm a grandfather. I was like, Lord, I don't wanna just get up and give another message. Don't let me sink into that. There's no time to just cruise now. I'm gonna stand before God any second. When I think of how many of my friends this year, got some pain, one guy had a stomach ache, cancer. Another guy, oh, my headache, cancer. It's just guys younger than me. That call is going to come, and we stand before this God, and I want to end with no regrets. I'm going, God, I can't afford to cruise. I can't afford for this year to be like last year. That's weird. I should be so much closer to you. I should be so much more powerful than I've ever been because that's what I read about in this book. And if I stay the same, I'm going to get weird. So praise God for the steps of faith. But I'm telling you, if you don't take one now, you're going to get weird and it's going to hurt the church. I said that was the last thing. There was one more real quick. I just thought of, okay, another pastor from India. This is, and this is, I promise you, my clothes. He, uh, He said, he goes, I've studied church movements. He goes, you know when a movement of God starts? He says, when the founder... Really knows God. And he goes, You know, when a movement dies is when the people only know the founder. And they as individuals don't know him deeply. That's when the movement dies. See, you can jump on the Colossae bandwagon, but what God's calling you to do is something far deeper where you know him and you know him deeply and you take steps of faith rather than saying oh i remember that step of faith our pastor took 10 years ago but for you to live that way you know we're going to take communion right now i want to make sure to leave room for that and i hope you're excited about it i've been more excited about communion the last two months than ever in my life i love it i love communion we said communion again two nights ago, and I was like, oh, this is the best. I want to do this every night. This is so good. I hope you've grown in your love for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us before we take of it. God, I pray for a miracle right now by your holy spirit. God, would you open our eyes to all the ways which we've become so weird and irreverent and unbiblical? God, even as we take the bread and cup, help us to examine ourselves. Help us to examine the body, the blood, God, are we excited about things more than your sacrifice? Is this a chore or a ritual to us, God? Don't let this get old, Father. We're here because your Son died for us. There's no way I would even try to speak to you, knowing who you are. I wouldn't dare come into your presence except by the blood of Jesus. You are a terrifying, holy, holy, holy God. And we come into your presence because of your love and because your Son made it possible. And may we never love anything more than this, that we have access to you because of your Son, Jesus, and that is who we celebrate today. So, God, may we do this now in remembrance of you And in a way that pleases you most. In Jesus name. Amen.